theyeshiva.net. It's a letter. There's a letter from the Maggid to his son, Rebbe Avram. They called him Rebbe Avram HaMalach, because he was like an angel. And he wrote to him in Yiddish, Akleina lechele in the guf is a grace lechele in the neshama. A hole, a crack, yeah. A little crack in the guf is a great crack in the song. A large crack in the song. Somebody actually told me this morning that uh, he's recently been taking care of his health, his body, and he's been feeling very guilty about it because he was taught that gvuras haguf is sreifus anashama, that a healthy body is a dead soul. I should say not a healthy body, a strong body. A strong body is a dead soul. So he was feeling he had to work through some... uh, some guilt that the body is not uh, is not the embodiment of impurity. Okay, let's continue. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. So we're up to page Nun Zion. Uh, the Maima is from Tofresh Nun Zion, and we're up to page Nun Zion. So quoting the Navi, the Navi Yeshaya, who says, "Hayispoir Hagarzen." Al hachoitzev boy, shall the axe be boastful and feel superior to the one who uh, who wields it, right? And the Novi continues. It's in Yeshaya Perikud. The Novi continues. Shall the mosar, shall the sickle, feel superior and boast over menifoy, over the one who raises? and again wields the sickle to harvest the grain, that would be absurd, it would be ludicrous. The Novi over there, I think, is talking about Ashur, Assyria, which has become a superpower at the time. The Novi Yeshaya laments the unbridled arrogance of Assyria, which thought that it could control the world. And he compares them to the Garzan, to the axe, or to the Moser, to the, to the sickle, Later he compares them to a branch, to a shavit, and to a mata, to a stick, all with the same metaphor, all employing the same metaphor, that uh, although we use the garzan as a tool, and a vital tool in order to implement what we have to implement, with an axe, or with a sickle, or with a hammer, or with a stick, or with a branch, possibly talks about those four things, the sickle, the axe, and the, the branch and the stick. Nonetheless, everybody understands that they're merely tools. They don't have pchira. They don't have choice. It's not their initiative. It's exclusively the person who deserves the credit or the blame. Somebody strikes somebody. Somebody uh, uh, uses an axe to hurt somebody, Khalila, so they don't put the axe on trial. Uh, terrorists use knives to stab innocent people they don't put the knife on trial it's not the knife which is good or evil it's the knife that does it without the knife the harm wouldn't be done without the axe the tree would not be felled but it's the person who's fully responsible both in a constructive way or a destructive way the person who gets the credit or gets the blame we're learning in Sachmat, Berber Shusarabim, right? Berber Shusarabim. 
Yes, it's the pit that becomes the hazard, but the one who's responsible is can't blame the pit, can't blame the hole in the ground. You could blame the hole in the ground, but that's a very superficial perspective. You have to blame the chayfer barber shusharam, the one who dug the pit or the one who uncovered the pit. What is the Navi trying to convey here? And that's the mushal that's being brought out. That this is true about so many things in life, and really everything in life, that the divine hashpa, all of life is about yichud Hashem and elikim, yichud havayev elikim, the unity of havayev and elikim, and that unity is not just words. You unify two names, you say Hashem hu elikim. That's not the idea of just semantics or using names. Yichud Hashem elikim is a paradigm shift. It's a way of experiencing life, not one hour a day, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Despite the fact that within this itself, of course, every person can have fluctuations and alias, iridis, changes, etc. And what's the point? The point is that the entire creation, on every level, even in the most spiritual realms, is based on the fact that Elikim plays a central role, channeling, obscuring, restricting, concealing, forming, shaping, limiting, containing, confining. Do I need more adjectives? Huh? Okay. Uh, channeling, yeah. And all these adjectives are true. And there's probably another one million adjectives and more that I don't know to, to describe it. And, and the point is to describe it, because Ur has to be described, that's the point. If we didn't have to describe it, then you don't need Caleb. The function of Caleb, the first function is to describe, to talk, to address, to give shape, to give form. That's even in the most sophisticated, spiritual, transcendent realms. And then, for each descent, it goes through these processes, and then come into this world and to be able to create, sustain, give content, functionality, design, purpose, and existence to every single created being and existence on all the levels of creation, including the entire planet and the entire universe. It must go through yet further restrictions and concealments to be able to coarsen. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. To be able to coarsen, to be able to be magashen, to be able to materialize the light to assume a physical incarnation, and to be able to function in the in the setting that we call teva, the setting that we call nature. But all of these settings and all of these kalim are what are essentially what looks like a hester, but ain't no hester klal, not truly a concealment, just a channel. It's a tool in order to be able to access the air into a particular space and function in a particular fashion according to the capacity of this nivra, of this being, or of this functionality, or of this purpose. And therefore, the proper perspective of a person is when they understand that all what we call mutsoyim, all the intermediaries, and all the kalim and all the vessels, are like the garzen biyad hachaitzev, are the axe in the hand of the wielder. Or the Mosar, the sickle, the Yad Hamenif, in the hand of the one who raises it. Or again, the stick in the hand of the one who lifts it. 
The Pasuk says, Hashem will bless you in all that you do. So there's two dimensions here. On one hand, what's needed is that you should do. It doesn't say you shouldn't do. And the reason you should do is, because if the divine Hashpa is coming through Tziurim, through physical forms, through physical Kela, whether it's a business, it's a business, it's a source, it's a it's the source of revenue through a business, or any other hisaskas b'maso mata, as Chazal put it, maso mata, any other form that the person creates a keli to be able to generate revenue, all of these are the levushim through which one can glean hashpa a flow that will be a physical flow. A person needs physical money; they need physical cash. Yes, in Ganadin, you don't need physical cash. You need spiritual cash. You don't need physical nutrition. You need spiritual nutrition. What does Eichel V'shoisen mean? Eichel V'shoisen there is not lettuce or cucumbers or other forms or other foods. Eichel V'shoisen there, he says, is nenen mizivashchina. But the, in this world, my goof has to live. For my goof to live, the energy has to translate into lechem, into physical substances, which gives, creates, has the ingredients that the body can, can detect. But what are all these? These are just kalim. These are just channels. The channels may be physical. And that's why one can lose sight of what it really is. He says, really, it's all ereliki. It's all divine, divine energy. Processed through many levushim, and that's how we live. And that's how we function, that's how we generate what we need in order to be able to live. I need food, I need money, whatever else it, a person needs, clothes, etc. So if a person has a lot of good things, let's say money, how do we know if that's the mission or the mission? I didn't understand the question. Is there some, when something is bad, you always say that this is only the niche. It's not a God. No, it's not about bad or good. It's about a perspective. Yeah. It's always a marshal. So how you can't be a spiritual good thing besides feeling? I, I'm not understanding. If somebody has materialistic things, you have an abundance of materialistic. Is that also... So you have a lot of mashalim. <laughs> God mashalim? gave you a lot of mashalim. <laughs> can that be part of the pleasure, right? Yeah, and every marshal could be a channel for the nimshal. That's the point. So if some, if I understand the question. If something negative comes to a person, you say, oh, it's only dressed up in negativity. It's the same thing when somebody has a lot of abundance. It could be schar, it could be divorce, it could be... So it's a gewaldic opportunity. There's a tremendous hashpa that this person may have. Some person may have hashpa in Ruchne, some person may have hashpa in Gashmis, some person has hashpa in this form and that form. Everything is a marshal. Everything is a marshal. And therefore, what's the main challenge here? The main challenge, he says, is that when a person really can absorb this, so even as they're involved in a business, it doesn't stress them out, it doesn't overwhelm them. And it doesn't take them away from who they really are. It doesn't take them away from the connection and complete intimacy with the core and the essence of everything. Because they realize 
that these are all kalim, but the entire hashpa is essentially elikus. It just doesn't take away a person from Torah, from tefillah. It doesn't. Stre- it helps a person not get stressed and not engage in sly tactics and shrewd schemes that they feel they have to outsmart other people. And certainly, he says not to do things that are forbidden. On the contrary, because when a person recognizes that it's not this business or this interaction or this scheme that is what I have to worship, it's a channel through which Shalom's energy is being communicated. It's on the contrary, I want the keli to be wholesome. I want the vessel to be pure. I want it actually to be able to be a receptacle to the divine energy. If not, the flow itself is compromised. It's, it's cheap money. It's not money I'm going to live with. I'm not going to be able even to enjoy my own blessings, my own gifts. In other words, it's not only good moral advice, it's also good business advice. It's good business advice. So, so how does some, like, like take the example of um, books, like you have... You know, Looks. Many, books. You have books. books. You know, all the Torah books, and then you have the most garbage book, and you have everything in between. How does, so, so how does uh, someone decide how, how much time to spend? I mean, the Kachila, someone should be spending all their time on... These are individual questions. Like he says, how, how, how do you time how much spend? The point is, he says, people, they become so obsessed, that they don't have any other life. And what's the most important things in life become sidetracked and they ignore the most important things. Why? Because the person becomes single-mindedly focused on money. So he says, you have to do what you have to do. Every person has to figure out, but in a way that it doesn't destroy the core, doesn't take away the soul, doesn't take away from the turret, doesn't take away from the field, doesn't take away from the relationships, from the connections that are vital, not only to yourself, but also to the very hashpah. Because it's essentially all a relationship with the divine. It's just coming now through a different channel. So he says, Vaiter. Page Nun Zion, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Ten lines from the bottom. The line starts, The Kolza, all this is based on the same idea. In one word, this is Yichud Hashem Elikim. That's what it means. Yichud Hashem Elikim is not some mystical, spiritual, heavenly language. Yichud Hashem Elikim can happen at any moment in the day. It's a state of consciousness wherever you are and whatever you're involved in. It's the ability to be able to unify. What do we mean? Not to allow to be seen as a Hester, as something that blocks out, blocks, conceals, and therefore in a different realm than Yud all his havas, all of existence, is essentially It's channeled and screened and contained and formed and shaped and described through a lakim. what's the result of this? All intermediaries, what do we mean by intermediaries? Channels, all channels, all kalim, all avushim, like again, the marshal of the teacher and the student. Haim, 
beginning with Malachim angels, Mazolis constellations. Einam klum mitzat atzma. They are nothing on their own. It doesn't say einam klum. Einam klum, so don't make them. Of course, there's something. They, they serve a function. Like the marshal also serves a function. Einam klum mitzat atzma. Don't divorce them from what they are. Don't divorce them from what their purpose is, what their truth is. They're nothing on their own. They are shluchim, essentially. And we know in halacha, shlucha, shaladam, kemaisai. The shliach represents the mashalech. You could look at the shliach and divorce him from the mashalech. He can also look at himself and divorce himself from the mashalech. But essentially, they're shluchim, they're emissaries that transport the flow. So what do you need these emissaries? Kegarzim, biyadachaitzim. Just like a garzim. And nobody's going to come to the garzim and start appealing the axe and start bribing the axe and start worshipping the axe in order to be able to build them this beautiful uh, kazebo that the axe is supposed to build. So maybe you should start giving gifts to the garzim and decorating it and bribing it, and taking it out to dinner, and going for a drink with it, and sending it gifts, etc. Why not? It's a la, la it's a, it's a, it's a, it would be a mockery. That's a dead, lifeless guy. Well, you're going to bribe it? What are you bribing? You're bribing a, a doimim, something that's lifeless. But the truth is, everything is a garrison. That's the point. <laughs> it could just, it's, a, it's a moving axe, that's what it is. Today we know that there's moving machines, yeah, artificial intelligence. So you're going to start bribing it. Doesn't have no, doesn't have no pchirev. Go to the chaytzim. Don't go to the garzim. What are you, what are you wasting your time with the garzim? Is the garzim important? Yeah, but important as what? As something that's wielded by the person who holds on to it. So you're going to start, you're going to start appeasing the garzin and building a whole life around the garzin and building relationships with the acts. You say, you know, in, in business, very important relationships, right? Networking. You got to go out and you got to cultivate, right? Those who are mumchim in this. So, you, so you're going to start building relationships with the acts because you want a beautiful home. So you're going to, with all the tools, you're going to build relationships. So it sounds funny. And the reason it sounds funny is because we all understand you're building, you need a good relationship with your contractor. That's very important. <laughs> so this, is, this, is, this is good for farm that you need Gashmi in a good way. Money, parnasa, food, etc. So you should look to the Arlo key beneath them as being what you really need. Okay. But suppose you don't have that. Suppose your mom is going hungry. Suppose there's illness. Are you supposed to also see in the illness some Arlokim? Are you supposed to see in the hunger some Arlokim? Or they just you're lacking the Arlokim of the food, lacking the Arlokim of health? Or are you supposed to look at the, at the I don't want to call it Isayo, but at the Tzara also as, as there being an Arloki that you have to try to... You don't want that Arlo, specific Arlo. So how, do you, how does that relate to when you don't have Parnasimia? You're hungry, etc. That's a very good question. This is all you're saying, what you have. What about what you don't have? Is that also an error? I just want to amplify the question. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was amplified enough, but let's amplify it no, you, yet more. The one who swings the axe, supposedly he's in control of the axe. But many times in business, somebody tries his best, and everything, uh, things don't work out, and he has suffers a big loss. Right. So you feel, in a sense, that you are not in control, 
and, and suddenly uh, everything is upside down, and the person could be in debt, coming for thousands of dollars. Mm. He tried his best. And how, how do you find a godly right in debt, and you feel just crushed? Okay, you're asking if, and you're asking how. That's step two. So let's first start with if, okay? That's true. That's why we addressed earlier Nisoyinus. What is a Nisoyin? Nisoyin is a lack. What we're talking now about is A person needs food to eat, a person needs shelter, a person needs uh, revenue, a person needs an income, etc. That's the hashpah. That's the, hash, the way Hashem's hashpah comes in the physical world, through the physical world. Virapa yirape, a person needs to heal. The Gemara says, It's a chiddush. There was a shitta that you're not supposed to go to a doctor. Why? God wants this person sick. You don't believe in Ashgacha. Why are you intervening? Why are you interfering with Hashem? But the answer is that that's antithetical to Yiddishkeit. As the Gemara says, somebody doesn't want to violate Shabbos to save a life, I raise a shoifach domen. He's spilling innocent blood. And the answer, of course, is that it's completely not a contradiction. On the contrary, the hashpah of Rafua comes through Verapa Yerape. That's the Shluchi Hashafa. That's again, Kegarzen, Kegarzen, Biyada Chaitzev. That's again, the axe being wielded. Verapa Yerape. There's a word, the Gemara says in Kiddushin, Toiv Shebereifim Legehenim. Right? The best of doctors goes to Gehenim, goes to Purgatory. So it's, it's a difficult Maim uh, Chazal. I mean, that's how the, the rabbis looked at that, the doctors. Toiv Shebereifim, the best ones. The bad ones go to Ganeidin. The good ones, Toiv Shebereifim. Why are people running to good doctors? Right? So uh, there's different interpretations, but one of them is Toiv Shebereifim Legehenim. It's the best of doctors, because doctors, present company excluded, best of doctors, or not often, but sometimes, have this ear of uh, arrogance. And when you tell them, I want to ask a second opinion, it could be the worst thing in the world. Some rabbis have the same thing. A second opinion? You know who I am. And that's the first sign you're not dealing with a good doctor. Because the, en- the essence of all growth is humility. The essence of all knowledge is humility. There's an expression in Sifri Machshava from the Rishonim yet. Kol gay shoyta. Gay in Hebrew. Gimel Yud Aleph. Kol gay shoyta. Every arrogant person by definition is a fool. It, it's a definition. It's not a psachidish. It's not a miracle. Arrogance is the antithesis of Chachma. Chachma is koyach ma. The ability to say what. Just the ability to say ma. So therefore, toiv shebereifim. So it's brought in Svarim that toiv is begematria yud zayin. Toiv is seventeen. Toiv shebereifim. A doctor only believes in seventeen blessings of Shmuel Asra because he deletes the eighteenth. Rifaenu Hashem v'nei Rafe. Baruch Ata Hashem Roifechelam Isol. This is again another somebody who's completely uh, into self-aggrandizement. I am the exclusive master and decider of the fate of life and death. Without the humility, they say there was a Yid, Rabbi Eizel Kharif, he was the Rav of Slonim. So he was once very ill, and a doctor came to see him. 
The doctor said it's hopeless. You're going to die. There's nothing to do for you. Just prepare, prepare for the end. And the doctor left. He gave up on her. Rabbi Zulcharif recovered. And a few months later, he was already out in the street and he was walking and he meets this doctor. The doctor takes a look. He says, you? You're supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to be an Ilam Amis. What's to So he says, you're talking right. Your prediction was right. And by the way, you owe me a big favor. He says, what happened? As you said, I'm going to die. I could die. And I came up. And basically, I see a huge line. And I asked him, what is this line? I want to, they say, it's Gehenim. So he said, who's in the line? They say, doctors. And who do I see? Who do I see first in the line? You. You. You're there. And I go over, I say, Rebbeinu Shalaylam. Ask him, doctor. This guy is no doctor. This guy is a butcher. You could send him out. He says, you owe me a big favor. I died. I saved you and I came back. <laughs> I guess that was his little revenge on his doctor. What's the point? The point is not that me- we, we don't dismiss medicine. We don't dismiss herbs. We don't dismiss any physical blessing. Because we know that the oil key comes through these herbs or these vitamins or these... I'm not getting it out to medicine, but any nekuda that says a shlich of the hashpot comes through. Now there's a concept called nesionis. What's nesionis? Which we learned before, we're going to come back. What's the concept of nesionis? Is there's, a, there's a mania. There's something being... There's, some, there's a lack. When someone gets a real bad case of poison ivy... <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, it's the stress of life. There's the stress of having, of dealing, and running up. There's also the stress of not having. Like he said, defeat, loss, challenge, never mind illness, never mind other nisyoinists, not just financial. Not just financial. But the test of nisyoinists, of having test, could be the opposite also. Everybody knows that. Something that the rich is, is a bigger... Avada, avada. It goes the other way also. Yeah, Nisayan Ha'aini and Nisayan There's the test of poverty and there's the test of wealth. Shleimah Melech says, Rosh v'oyshir al-titanli. Don't, don't make me poor and don't make me wealthy. He had both. <laughs> you got to be for what you ask for. What's the test of wealth? The test of wealth? You should know it. Be'ez Rashaam. Shem should help, and you should know, and I'm sure you'll pass it with flying colors. It's a different type of Nisayan. It's a different type of Nisayan. Huh? The Kapishna Tzerebbe was one sitting Shiva. The Kapishna Tzerebbe, the old Kapishna Tzerebbe. So the Lubavitch Rebbe came to see him for Nechim Avelim. They started to talk about this. So... Uh, so the Kapishna Tzerebbe was on Fatsaita Sherebbe, it was at Tzadik, he was, he was lamenting America, the American, you know, the luxury and the possibilities and the dreams and the, the country of prosperity where the streets are paved with gold and, and so forth. And the Lubavitch Sherebbe said, Adirabe, let Jews be successful and have money and they're able to do tremendous things with it and Torah will be able to grow. So he says, in many ways, poverty is, is better because the Nisoyinists are small. It's a different type of Nisoyin. It's not so much a Nisoyin that will uproot as a Neshama. It's a different Nisoyin. But the Nisoyin of Ashiris is very dangerous. You're not a mensch, and you lose your soul, and you lose your integrity, you lose your God. You become an a- arrogant person. You can often be a Ganav. So uh, 
They were going back and forth. So the Lubavitch Rebbe tells Kapitel Rebbe Tzir Rebbe, he says, Yidin zayn shan oiz geproof gevodim midin esayim fun anias. Yet to cite, as they were just oiz proof midin esayim fun ashiris. This is the late 1950s. It was the, you know, the, the generation right after the war trying to recover. But Jews started to build themselves up in America. It says, Hashem tested the Jews with, with poverty for many, many years now, many centuries now. It's time that he tests them within a sign of wealth. So the Rebbe first poverty, then wealth. That means wealth is even a bigger Nisayan. So they were arguing. At some point, the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, Kapishnitzer Rebbe. What do you care if Yidin are wealthy? He was a very Vadamayid. He says, okay, was very satisfied. He didn't want Kapishna Serebbe should oppose that Jews should be wealthy. You're right, listen. Every Indian could be on Nisoyan. But the truth is, and I'm talking now about the if, that even the Hester that comes in the form of a, what seems like a much bigger Hester, that there's no flow, the flow stopped. The flow stopped. So that's not a, that's not a mistake. That's just a bigger Hester. It's just a bigger concealment where the light is yet more concealed. Because the way, there's the way the light is concealed even in food. It's also divine energy. And in medicine, and in every herb, and in every vegetable, and really in every grain of sand, and in every chemical, and every electrical current, there's the divine energy. It's coming through a physical avush, and it could be seen as a hester, and you have to be meyached, but sometimes the hester is much more coarse, and much more big. What do we mean the hester? Prevents a person more from Torah, it would seem like. Prevents a person more from tefillah. It obscures their relationship even more with themselves and with God. So this is just a lekim acting out, I don't want to say acting out, but a lekim, uh, a lekim that is, that is, that is, that, that represents, it's manifested in a much thicker and more dense lavush garment, which requires more courage, more effort, in order to be able to excavate and to mine it and to find the locus at its core. Even in the privation there is oil. Right. Right. Even in the privation there is oil. Now, as you know, as in always with these things, it's easier said than done. You know, one could wax eloquently about it often. But it's a whole other thing when it comes Khalila uh, we say there's a reason for it. And you know, sometimes I said in another shir, things are inexplicable. It's not like you know everything becomes rosy and smooth. And an important message here is, and we mentioned this, when a person is is deprived from something, seeing Havaya in Alekim doesn't mean there's no Alekim. It means that there's a Yichud Havaya Alekim. Yichud Havaya Alekim doesn't mean Alekim doesn't exist. It just means it's one with Yud Kevavke. What that means is that the Levush does exist. person doesn't say, there's no herb, there's no food, I live from Moitzah Pi Hashem, from the man, it was Lechem and Hashemayim. And even that came in the form of food. It was Lechem and Eretz, it was Lechem and Hashemayim. A person just understands that the Lechem in Haaretz is also Lechem and Hashemayim. 
We learned the Maim about Lechem Mishnah. You remember in Torah Erba Shalach, a Moira de Kamayim at Lechem Mishnah. The two wives with the two Lechems is Lechem and Hashemayim, Lechem and Oretz. And you have to be Meyached. Really, Havayin Elikib. The Man, nobody had a question unless you were crazy where it came from. I mean, the Jews in the Midbar, after you have anything for 40 years, you can deceive yourself and say that it's, you know. Somehow we found out there's some scientific theory that they gave. Dustin and Avira must have given some scientific theory how uh, mana falls down from heaven in that region. Uh, in that region, but uh, but ostensibly lechem, lechem and aretz has to be combined. So it's not that there's no lechem and aretz. There's lechem and aretz, but it's really lechem and hashemayim. We have to remember, and this is a very subtle but important idea. Pain is also part of the marshal. I told you what Rabbi Moshe Shapiro told the younger man. You remember, I said, we spoke about this, yeah? There was a, Rabbi Moshe Shapiro was from the big Bali Machshav in Eretz Yisrael. And there was a younger man by him. He was in the middle of a shear. And, you know, he knew what he, he was going through difficulties. And he shared it. And he shared the pain and the confusion and the uncertainty and the difficulty. And he told them what seems like a simple insight, but it's not so simple. He said, right now, Hashem wants you to experience this type of turmoil, this type of pain. Sometimes people feel guilty for the fact that I'm in pain, I'm confused, I have anxiety, I have turmoil, I don't know what to do, I'm bewildered, it looks like my world is falling apart. And they tell themselves, if I would daven better, if I would learn better, if I would have a muna, if I would have betochen, then I wouldn't be feeling this. I would be mekabu yisurim ba'ava. I would know. Shem is good. Guys are biyad Right? I get a lot of emails from people. Enormous amounts of emails. And many of them, a person says, what can I read? What can I learn? What can I... Could you send me a lecture? Could you send me this? Could you advise me? Who I could that I should be able to get rid of this pain and just see the beautiful colors. We understand the desire of people to do that, but very often that's a, there's a mistake there. And the reason there's a mistake there is because emunah doesn't mean that it's not a painful situation. Emunah just means that the pain should not destroy you. You shouldn't see the pain as here just to destroy you and obliterate you and make your life miserable for all of eternity. I may not understand its purpose. I may not understand its meaning. But part of living with Yichud Hashem Elikim means, not that there's no Elikim, there is a Likim. Not that there's no Hester. There's no Hester Be'emes. Not that there's no pain. Not that there's no difficulties. This is a reality that is very, very difficult. And therefore I have to be able to validate it. I have to be able to respect it. I have to be able to create space for it. And on the contrary, when a person does that, they can then ultimately see more the Pnimius of it than the Chitzainius of it. When a person feels that they're not allowed to have that type of pain, because it means they don't have a muna. So then, 
in addition to the challenge, they now have also the guilt that I'm not responding in the right way. Because if I was a real Jew, and I would know Kegarz and Beyada Chaitzev, then I would feel perfect. I would be dancing in the streets. When the Gemara says, Somebody sent me an email, well, how do you say this? It says, I said, I have a question. How could the Chazal contradict themselves? They should have said, Because it's good. You're obligated to thank God for good, like you're obligated to thank Him for good. Why do they call it raw? They, they, they believe that they believe, if they really believed it's tough, don't call it raw. They say what you think is raw. And the point is, there's a reason there's a Mishnah Chayv Adam Levarach. Because it's, it's a reality that feels very, very disturbing. And a person may not be able to wrap their brains around and they can't go, snap your fingers, go up to a higher world and say, it's all beautiful. And if that's the case, then Tisha B'Av, we should be dancing like some Chastair. Tisha B'Av and Purim should have been exactly the same day. Does it say that the Pnimius of Tisha B'Av is Geula? It does say. We learned once, the Gemara says, when they came into the Heichel, they saw the Kruvim were intertwined with each other. The Bnei Yisoscha brings from the Mezut Shemagit, the Gemara says in Yavam, Before you go on a journey, you have to be together. Us, a couple should be together. So before the Rebbeinu Shalom went on a journey, he had to be together with the Jewish people, so the Kruvim were intertwined. That means the moment of the Churban was also a moment of intimacy. And he impregnated Klal Yisrael at that moment with the seed of Mashiach. So when was the seed of Mashiach born? Yerushalmi says, Tishabov. Because the Kruvim were intertwined, which represents intimacy. It was the greatest moment of distance, it was also the greatest moment of intimacy. So if it's the greatest moment of intimacy, so it's Purim. It's Simchasteira. But somebody who eats and drinks and dances on the Tisha B'Av, he's over his Surim And somebody who in the middle of Shiva or middle of Avelis says, What Avelis? What, 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 what Avelis? What Avelis? Now you have an ego. There's a you and there's feelings and there's pain and there's relationships. Really? What happened? What happened to Amunah? The same Torah that says, Einoid Mulvadai says that at this moment, when Mashiach comes to Shabbat, will be a Yom will be the greatest Yom Because then you'll be able to see the complete oneness of Avayan Elikim. But till that point, the fact that there's a struggle to be Meachad Avayan Elikim means the struggle is also part of Yichud Hashem Elikim. Yichud Hashem Elikim is not... Cute, holy, heavenly words. The struggle is also part of Yechud Hashem Velikim. God is in the struggle. And therefore you don't have to cut that off from your life. You don't have to amputate that. It means sometimes you have a situation. A person is facing a with a child. A person is facing a situation with a spouse. A person is facing a with themselves. Different situations. Small ones or big ones. Very small or very big. And I told you I'm not in the business of comparing people's lives to each other. Whatever it is, I thought it's a toothache, a toothache, right? Can drive you, can drive you crazy. And even though in the global picture, my toothache or your toothache is not news that's fit to print, but for you, it's the only news that counts. <laughs> it shuts out all the other news because you have a toothache. I'm talking about the real toothaches, you know, <laughs> the real toothaches. So, Mach 
Or sometimes it can be, you know, on Shabbos when that nail, half that nail comes off, you know that, yeah? So am I going to tell you that this is global news, that half my nail came off and I, I, all I want is just to pull it off? But for this person, it's very irritating. Now, there's much bigger things. A person faces these stuff, don't allow your mental energy to be spent on trying to feel guilty that you have that pain and trying to get rid of that pain by force. Eh, I don't have it. It's stupid. People say, I'm such a child. I'm such an idiot. If I, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm a heretic. If I would be a, a normal person, if I would be a barseichel, I wouldn't feel this way. What are you doing? You're superficially and artificially amputating a part of yourself, but it's not authentic. It's not real. So it just gets repressed, and it comes out in many, many different ways, but not consciously, unconsciously. Furthermore, I make decisions that are all based not on what I need or want, but on, to re- on reducing the pain. And because I'm not aware of the pain, I'm not aware what's motivating these decisions. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's very important. If you can acknowledge it, if you can see it, if you can identify it, and you could cry about it, this is this is a classic example of Shema Lekim. Of course I should make a cheshben anethesh. And of course I should be better. But it doesn't mean it's not painful. And sometimes the pain persists. Sometimes the pain persists. Is there a level in life where people don't feel pain? Yeah. I told you the mice with the Belzeruv. I'll tell you the Maisa with Habzur Shavah Nepali. There are such. There are three and a half people in a generation like that. Maybe two and a half people. Maybe four and a half people. When that becomes the standard and everybody feels guilty because they're not like that, it's, it, it creates neurosis for no reason. And sometimes I find people are more guilty for the fact that they're having pain than from the pain itself. They don't even allow themselves to mourn. They don't even allow themselves to experience what they're experiencing because the greatest pain is coming from the fact that I'm guilty over the fact that I have pain. But one second. Kabbalah Yisurim Ba'av, accepting pain with love, doesn't mean that it's not pain. It means recognizing that God is in the pain. And therefore, yeah, I have to, in a way, embrace it. This, this, this is where I am. This is where, I, and the more you can accept that, the more you can actually transcend it, because you can give it its space. And now you're not making decisions that are unconsciously trying to take you away from it, because you can acknowledge it, you could see it, you could feel it, you can validate it, and then you can make choices based on your values of what's the right thing to do right now. Kabbalah Yisurim Ba'ava means embracing all experiences and all parts of yourself as having some meaning to them. What the meaning is, I may not know, but if this is my reality, if this is my pain, there's a divine truth there. And I don't have to be ashamed to cry. I don't have to be ashamed to say, I'm zonked, I'm broken, I feel devastated. And the paradox is when a person does that, they can actually find ultimately more meaning in it. Because they're giving it the dignity that it deserves. 
and they can ultimately be able to find the Havaya in the Alekim. There is. But finding the meaning of Havaya is not by ignoring Alekim and saying there's no Alekim, it's all beautiful, it's all wonderful. The sound has to be valid. It has to be valid in all its streams. Apparently, absolutely worse pain as a person can experience physically is a kidney stone attack. I had it. When I had a kidney stone attack, they told me, the doctor told me, that some people say that it's equal and some say it's worse to, uh, to labor pains of childbirth. I never had that. And I, 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 I suggested it to a woman, and she got very insulted. Yeah. So, uh, but that's what a few doctors told me. No, what about that? I, yeah. All I did, I was just screaming. That's what I did. Huh? It happened to me four times, and that happens out of the blue. Can't speak. I know that. Of course not. Of course not. How? When a pain is happening, you can't speak about any of this. But it's also wrong to speak about this spiritually. Spiritually, it's wrong. A Jew who gets up to somebody who's having a kidney attack, yeah? Or Chas Rishalom goes over to somebody at a Levaya, they lost somebody close. And they say, by the way, it's really wonderful. And in fact, I'll show you a mimer. I'm going to teach you a mimer. The mimer says that Einoid Mulvadoi and Yichud Hashem Ve'elekim, right? Not only is not only is this not first of all it's not menschlich, it's obnoxious, it's rude, but it's much more. It's so ungodly. It's so ungodly. It's so un. You, you strip God from humanity. It's the ultimate symptom. It's the ultimate separation where the human experience not only has no place, but it has to be denied, crushed. So basically the entire realm of human emotion and human experience from God's perspective is completely worthless. The whole it's antithesis of the whole Torah. The B'Tselem Elikim Oseh Sa'adam. Or in these words, the Yichud Hashem Elikim. The Rambam says in Hilchis Mechira, speaks about Oinaz Dvarim. There's a love. Oinaz Dvarim means you're not allowed to fool somebody in business. You're also not allowed to hurt somebody through words. Like it says, to tell a gayer. Oh, what you do yesterday? It's called a Noah's Dvarim. It's a Surgim Baba Metziah in the Rambam and Hilchas Mechirim. The Rambam brings over there from a Gemara Masech Baba Metziah. Somebody is suffering. You go over to somebody and you say, it's because you did this and this Aveda. He says, you violated a mitzvah's loisus. Loisaino. It's an Aveda. He says, it's a sin to do. This person, it's like, this person is trying to be holy and making you holy. Comes over to you and says, you did an Avera. And because you did this and this Avera, that's why you're suffering. And the Rabbi says, you just violated Isur. For that price, you could have eaten Chazer. <laughs> Pork, he's never going to eat. But he did the same thing. Why? Because he told the guides for this and this uh, because what does that do? What does that do? It's a stab. So why did the Navi speak up? For example, Shalom. They have to speak up sometimes. Exactly. A person should always try to become better. We'll see soon. A person should always make a... 
But this does has nothing to do with invalidating pain. And a person who comes to the kidney stone guy and starts screaming, and therefore there's no kidney stone attack, or he's a malach. If you're a malach, there's no kidney stone attacks. Malachim also have kidney stone attacks, but they look different and they feel different. Yeah. Well, there's a Gemara in Brachas, there, Abhuna, all of his wine became vinegar, right? So they came to visit him. And he wanted to know. He said, What do you think could be a reason? He asked them. And they told him. They told him. And he justified himself. And he justified himself. He said he didn't pay his workers. So they said, Why didn't you pay the workers? He says, Because they're a bunch of Ganovim. <laughs> they steal for me anyway. Why should I pay? So they told him. Don't stoop down to their level. You don't become a thief because you're dealing with thieves. And Abuna transformed himself. And then the Gemara says either two opinions, either the vinegar, right, went back to wine, or the price of vinegar went rocket high. What's the two opinions in Gemara? Two types of tshuva. One is, one is, Oh, one is it's not vinegar anymore, and one is doinus nasu like his The vinegar itself becomes gewaldic. <laughs> Who said vinegar is not good? It's two two types of tshuva. One is you go away from the sin, and one is you transform the sin. No, the Gemara says of a basra mishesh lechayla b'toich beisa yelech itzachachem v'yevaker shalav rachem to daven. To Bab of Davanya. To Davanya. Right. A person can ask, a person could consult. But the point is, when a person is experiencing that pain, that physical space, there are people who have such moichen that are, you have. But but two and a half people. I don't know. Maybe three and a half people. <laughs> maybe there's a minion. I don't mean to say that there's no people like this. My point is, when you start telling a person to, to, to dehumanize themselves, to delegitimize themselves, because God is everywhere, that's the antithesis of Yichud Hashem Alekim. To be Mafred Hashem Alekim is one of two extremes. It's going into Alekim and ignoring Havaya, but it's also running into Avai and ignoring Elikim, that's also a period of Yechad Hashem Elikim. You understand? That's also a period. It's a different type. It seems very holy, but it's it's a sin. How do I know it's a sin? Not the Vanaviyu did it. The Miraglim did it. These were holy people. There are sins, there are ugly sins, and there are holy sins. But just because they're holy doesn't make them not sinful. A sin could be a holy sin. But it was the wrong thing. Because Michelle asked how you find meaning in it. The only thing personally I can think about oh. is what the author ever says in Tanya that the little bit of suffering in this world okay. equals the love. That's one Indian? But even if a person knows all the chashbainas, you learn Masilis Yesharim and you learn Shari Truv and you learn Archis Sadikim and you learn Chavis Halavavis, yeah? And you learn that for Shachayimah. It's got to help. It's got to help. But let me tell you something. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little secret. 
when a person experiences real pain, all the information they learned is often out the window. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about some people. Okay? Not because they don't think it's true, but because he's had a kidney stone attack. That kidney stone somehow didn't learn Chavis Alavavis. I wish the kidney stone would have learned Chavis Alavavis and would have been a little more idle with me. But the kidney stone didn't learn Chavis Alavavis. In the Litvish world, they say, Amaisa, there was a Valozhina Talmud who came to the Bichle Valozhina and he learned Reish's Chachma. Reish's Chachma is a very intense book of Musa. He describes Gehenim. It's a very intense. And he read it and he was having a, what do you call today, an OCD attack? Or uh, he was having an attack. And the Bichel of Elogen was a son of Rebchaim Elogen. He says, Daigenisht, the Eberstadnish Gelein Dreshes Chachma. God didn't read that chapter of Dreshes Chachma. Okay. He was just trying to calm down the guy. Don't worry. It's like, doesn't a, he was trying to delegitimate. Dreshes Chachma is a holy book. My point is, what a person does is, is the book says I'm supposed to feel good. That's what it says in Mesilus Yisharim. That's what it says in Shari Truva. Why, why am I such a bad person? So not only do I have a kidney stone attack, I'm, now I'm an evil person too for thinking that I have a kidney stone attack. Right? Because the book says. The book says. <laughs> that's true. The book says. But that book, you're misapplying it. Because the fact that right now this person is going through pain, that's a very real thing. And a person could, could look at it, could cry, could accept it, can validate it, can make space for it. And space for it does not mean that the person is an unholy person. It's on the contrary. Right now, this is their experience. This is a very real experience. And in that sense, it's even a precious experience. You don't have to remove it. You don't have to eliminate it. And when a person does that, you'll see paradoxically, the pain can actually go away. Because it's not repressed. When it's repressed, it won't go away. It'll come out through leaks. You understand what I'm saying? When you suppress an illness... When you suppress an infection, you didn't get rid of it. By putting a Band-Aid on a wound, I never heard a doctor say, "Just p- let's cover it up. <laughs> it do- covering up doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Telling myself, I shouldn't be like this. Okay, you shouldn't. But you are. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> what you're saying is part of the Hashem. That's part of the Hashem. That's, that's also the Hashem. Thank you, so, hey, uh, uh, and Isaac. Yes, it's almost like you're saying when somebody has pain instead of pulling the guilt, it's saying like, if we have to say that because he did something, listen, if I could become better, I should try to become better. And if there's something to fix, I should fix. And if I hurt somebody, I should ask them forgiveness. And every good thing a person does brings more light into their life and into the world. There's no question. While you're in pain, you can think But the pain is, is a real pain. It, it, let's go, it's my real pain. 
If I would be maybe in a different state of consciousness, fine. A person gets up to Davin because he hasn't been hungry. Rebzusha Vanapali didn't have food. Yeah, They used to say that when he was hungry, he would go out and say, Thank you for giving me such an appetite. <laughs> How did he see his hunger? Wow, I have an appetite. What a special thing. But when I'm hungry, I don't feel that way. I don't say thank you for giving me an appetite. I'm like, a little food would be nice. I'm not... A, we're, Yes, we're not on a level of Havaya pre-Elekim. We're Havaya post-Elekim, with Elekim. Elekim means there's various experiences of life that are disturbing, that are concealing. They conceal God's goodness. They conceal God's light. Is God's light dear? Yes, but it's cloaked in darkness. Im esak shamayim shamoto neko. says, if I go to heaven, you're there. But what if I go to the abyss? What do you mean abyss? Where's there an abyss? Where's the shoil? He necker, you're there. A kidney stone is very, very painful. I had it. <laughs> I'm laughing now. I wasn't laughing then. I thought I'm dying. I didn't know. I'd never had it before. I got it in the middle of the night. I thought I'm dying. My wife also thought I'm dying. And I was stuck in Vermont somewhere. Here, you have a solar comes in three and a half minutes, two and a half minutes. I was talking about, he said, yeah, we can send an amb- ambulance in a few hours. I'm like, a few hours? You send the Hever Kaddish, don't send me an ambulance. I, I didn't make that joke, trust me. <laughs> What's there to do? There was nothing to do. It's just, uh, if you have morphine, you take morphine. I didn't have morphine. Maybe you could pull out the mime. I, I, I can't pull out a mime then. You ever stubbed your finger in a door? You could pull out my martyr? Were there other people who could? Perhaps. And they're great people. So, someone who sits in a lot of these cheerios, someone who learns a lot of the Buddhist no. stuff, yes. then they have a storehouse. So when they have the kidney stone, maybe they're able to deal with it a little bit better than if they hadn't done that. Maybe you. I learned a lot of Swarim. I was Zoycha to learn a lot of Swarim. And when I had my kidney stone attack... So then what's the use of learning then about uh, all this stuff? It's the use of learning is to know what I'm telling you now. That you don't have to invalidate people's pain, ever. It's not doesn't mean you're getting closer to God. It's the other way around. In a way, it's distancing one from God. Because it means that the pain, somehow God is not here. Where did Hashem show up to Moshe? In the sneh. Rashi says, Why? You remember why? In a thorn bush. I'm in the pain too. And that doesn't mean that the pain is beautiful. It means that there's that there's something here. Don't run away from it. Well, if someone has this understanding, it makes the pain easier to bear. Fine. Perhaps. Or the easier to bear. Perhaps. 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 Huh? Listen, it's not it's not an argument. It's really about where a person is. If 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 a person is coming and crying, this happened to me, this happened to my marriage, this happened to my child. For me to tell this person it's not so bad. All it's all Hashem, it's all good. Why are you crying? Why can't you do it? 
It's not right. Not only it's not going to work, it's also not right. I can give them a hug. I could say, I'm here for you. I'm sorry. And paradoxically, that helps more than anything else. Saying, eh, it's nothing, you'll get over it. <laughs> I was sitting at a shiva, somebody lost a child. I don't know where people say chalas. One after another, people were sitting and giving him speeches. Giving his father speeches. Chizuk, they called it. At some point, I give credit to the guy who was listening. He turns to this person who said, I, I want to tell you a story. And he started telling a story. This person turns to him and says, listen, I have sat Shiva five times. Parents, his wife died very young. Child, sibling, all not, un- a lot of untimely deaths. He said, <laughs> I heard all these stories. Please don't share it with me. That's the cover the person. So this guy turns around to me and says, Rabbi Jacobson, I'll tell you the story. I said, You came to visit me? We came to visit him. He says, No, no, but it's a beautiful story. I said, Excuse me. There's times for your stories. This is not a time for stories. I said, it's much more appropriate to be quiet. If nothing to say, just be quiet. Just show up. It's this feeling I have to manicure, what's the word? I have to manipulate every emotion that it should be holy. The worst thing you could do for holiness is to manipulate your emotions to be holy. You know why? You become a dishonest person. You understand? I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to manipulate. I'll tell you, they manipulate. I'm going to manipulate. So I should be holy. I don't have Taivas Achila. I have no Taivas Achila, as you know. Well, I, nah, I don't really have. If I would just learn another, I want to have. I don't have Taivas Neof. Me, never. Well, we come to Sumer. I'm a good Jew. I'm a Bentaira. I don't have these doubts. I don't have such things. One of the most central ideas of Tanya is that God didn't want people to be perfect. (laughs) I have a temptation. He's there too. You don't have to get depressed over it. Who says Avoid Hashem means that you have no temptations? You have a temptation. And there's a light there too. There's a shlichus there too. He read the the expression in Tanya, Perik of Zion, about people who struggle with a lot of addictions and cravings. And he says, Maybe you were created for this, for this. Maybe you were created for this fight. There's a famous, there's a famous painting, probably, it's called The Scream. A famous what? Famous painting. painting. It's called The Scream. The scream. Because I was hearing what, what you were saying earlier about what happened, and sometimes that uh, is the only yeah. response that a person can do. No. Because no, no, the phone is not in there. You should always have good help. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. When Hashem punishes somebody, he's in the pain too. Yeah. The Yisoyed, one of the Yisoydas of Yiddishkeit, Hashem is always in the pain. I may not see him, which is what makes it painful. If I would see him in the pain, and I would see the full meaning and purpose, it's not so painful. That takes a lot of hachana to get to that. That's part of the Hester. That's part of the Hester. Haster Aster. I will conceal myself. So the Balshamtiv says the Anoichi is also Haster Aster. 
the Anoichi is in the Hester. They have the song, you know, from Afilu Bahastura, right? How does it go? When a person is meyached, havayen elikim, what does that mean? It means that the person appreciates and truly internalizes in a primius the idea that there's no true Hester, an ultimate Hester, knowing therefore that the intermediaries, Allahim, Azalas, Levushim, everything, are nothing on their own, but only what he calls Shluche Hashefa. Shluche Hashefa means passageways <coughs> through which the Shefa, through which the flow comes through. It's literally like the axe in the hand of the wielder. We're not talking only Malachim and Mazalus in a higher realm, but also all physical matters, material matters. They are vessels, receptacles, containers, channels, in which the Koyach the divine, the godly Koyach, energy, chios, vitality, is enclosed. They are essentially levushim garments. Umemela. The result of this is One does not see them and recognize them as the primary essence, as the key issue. What's really relevant is, what's the ikir is, what is contained, what is being channeled through them, all the zois, and what is being channeled at the Kayachalaki? Ulazais. The result practically is Yusamitz Vishtadal, Shatiya Kali Ruya Lakabal Eralaki. So then the person's focus is I want my vessels, I want my Kalim. And that means everything in the world comes through Kalim. Everything. And when you want to receive Gashmias, it's through a Kali of Gashmias. Because the energy is now being translated into Gashmi. But I want that the Kali should be Roy. Roy means it should be worthy, it should be suitable to receive an Eidel I want it to be a, a clean, a Kali that's, that's consistent, that can be synchronized with the Eid. The Eid and the Kali should work together. So therefore, it means that a person doesn't get involved with in sly, shrewd tricks and schemes, which what it does is it tarnishes the keli. Or excessiveness. means it's non-stop, it's completely overwhelming and excessive, which again, it takes over the whole person. There's no relationship with the ikir, with the primias. And that the kalim should not stress out and overwhelm and confuse and flood the person. The sign is, if it completely stops the person, there's no space in his mind for teira, no space for tvila, no space for avayda. All of avayda is Hashem. And this includes not just the, 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 
technically the time he learns the times of David. But a focus, a life that's focused on avoda, on self enhancement, on self growth, on a relationship with that which you have to have a relationship with. This means that I don't see it as a keli anymore. I actually come to worship it. I see that this is it. So therefore, if I'm not going to do this trick, it won't happen. So I'm losing perspective of the truth of Yichud Havaya Velakim. And this can translate into millions of different ways how it applies in every person's life. But this is the principle that then one one needs to apply in the individual lives. Especially it's, a person could say, very nice, all nice title. Which world are you living in? <laughs> it's very nice. You sit in the basement and you preach this. But there's, there's a real world out there. You, go, go tell this to everybody else. Go preach this at Madison Avenue and then 2nd Avenue and 5th Avenue. Go preach this in Wall Street. Very nice. In, in, in a world of idealism and in a world of Gan Eden, yeah. So he says that's a mistake. Hadvarim it's Atzman. Again, it's, a, it's, it's, it's being, it's surrendering. It's being deceived by the external. The things on their own. Because they're really Kalim. Essentially, if you understand the Muhuz. It's not really there to stop. It can't really stop and prevent Avaidas Hashem. This is a perception. It's a choice a person makes. Because that's the whole Nekuda. That there's never anything that is a true Helen Vahester. It may be perceived that way, interpreted that way, but there's nothing that is really a Helen, really a concealment on your relationship, on your connection right now. Every nekuda that comes from Shema Lekim is not there to hold back the light. It's there to bring it down, to transport it to this particular realm, as explained at length with all the Mashallah. So to say that this thing essentially is the thing that blocks me for avoidan, for a relationship with Hashem, that's a misinterpretation of reality. The person is looking at it from a more primitive place. means the das, my awareness is trapped. My awareness imposes this interpretation of reality. I'm not reading it right. I'm not reading it right. We sometimes become addicted to the externals, to the what it, to the chitzonius of it. So therefore, he forgets the true muhus of everything, which is alakus havaya. So now suddenly he considers the material itself as the main mitzias, as the main entity. And he gives himself up to them. He gives up his soul, his consciousness, he gives himself up. And then take, they stop him. But if a person remains focused, his das, his perception, and his heart remain focused on the truth of Achdus Hashem. True Achdus Hashem means the truth of oneness, that Havaya and Elikim are Kulachat. 
and everything in the world is kegarzen biyadachoytzev. It's the axe in the hand of the wielder, the sickle in the hand of the one who waves it. As Moshe Rabbeinu says, that Hulavada, he himself is the one who gives you koyach strength, lasus chayel. To generate chayel, chayel means strength, valor, revenue, power. And all the intermediaries, which are there, they're there. As we said, in that which you will do. So on one hand we say he will bless you, but he will bless you with what? He will bless you in that which you do. So with Mela, I have to go do. That's called Maisa. But all of these intermediaries, hey, Mirak, the way you have to understand them is only Shayodam over Hashef. It's through which the chanted Shefa gets channeled. But never ever as a blockage and as a steer and as a contradiction that Avaya is not here, Kavayachal. And it's just they run the show. It's exactly as an axe, Beyadachaitsev. And therefore, who do you attribute everything that's happening with the Garzan? Not to the Garzan. You don't say, thank you, Axe. I'm insulted with you. I'm firing you. I'm honoring you. I'm decorating you. I'm going to impress you. You thank the person. I, what do you mean? What's the person without an Axe garnished? With your bare hands, what are you going to do? But the Axe, its whole Metzius is just a tool. The same is true with everything and every experience and every encounter and all involvements in life, down to the piece of bread that the person is eating, is also kikars of It's nutritious value, down to the business or the work the person is involved in, or whatever they're developing, which is generating, basically Hashem, an income, a nice income, a beautiful income, an exact, tremendous income. And all of this is kikars and So it's a mamutza. It happened. It comes through this. It comes through this. The shefa comes to it. But avalekiru elakos. Oz then The person will never have a real meneya, something that prevents him and stops him, not internally and not externally. Person remains completely connected with truth, with godliness. This doesn't mean the person should quit doing work. It says, In other words, as he puts it, just like to get from the higher world to the next world, it has to go through a different kalim. Because if it doesn't go through those kalim, it can't manifest in a new tzir, because the oir is too intense for it. Just like the teacher teaching the student who's very remote needs to take the idea and say, you know what, it's not brought down enough. We have to bring it down yet a notch lower. The divine shefa that translates into physical results, material results needs to go through various kalim, which basically coerces, it concretizes the energy from a more transcendent place into a more concrete place. But those kalim are not, are not uh, they're the transmitters, they're the levusha, they're the channels. But it's again, guys will be other So the involvement is means I want to do it, but it's not my whole, it doesn't capture my essence. It doesn't, you could be involved in something, but it doesn't 
capture your soul. You're not kidnapped by it. You're not abducted by it. You still always remain connected to a core. You take the keli seriously because it's a serious keli. But you take it seriously as a keli, not as a, not as a god, not as a deity. You take it seriously as a keli. It's a lavush, the garzin. You need a good garzin. If the garzin is broken, it's dish good. You're using a hammer. The hammer has to be good. You have to have a handle and you have to have an axe. And it has to be good. No question. And sometimes you have to work on that. The garzin is broken, you know. Not a mitzvah to come into an office and have it dysfunctional. Nobody knows what they're doing and it's just uh, one big nice malava malka, what they call, and even a malava malka should be organized. <laughs> so sometimes I have to fix up the garzin. Huh? you got to sharpen the saw, yeah? The shaykh got to sharpen the chalav. Because these are kalim. And the keli has to be a keli master, whatever you, whatever you need the keli for. Just like the food needs to be lechem or whatever food could buy in order it should be able to provide the nutrition that the body needs. The mistake happens is when the garrison becomes confused with the chaytzev, the axe becomes like the wielder. Va'az and then. Person remains wholesome, emotionally, internally wholesome, in his connection with Hashem, with his Torah, and with Avodah. When a person separates between Avayah and Alekim, what do we mean he separates? What says he separates? It's not really separated. Behind Ushachoshev. In his perception, Hashem Elikim Master Be'emes Chas V'Shalom Hashem Avaya. Elikim really eclipses Shem Avaya. Now this person doesn't put it in these oasis. If you're already putting it in these oasis, the Shem Ashtikal Madreigen. person wakes up and says, by the way, I think Elikim and Avaya don't mamish work together. This is already, uh, he's already uh, considering these realities. The Rebbe here is describing the shoyrish of it. Person usually is not going into his bonus. It's it's yes together. It's not together. It means his life is one that lives out the perception that Shem Avayah and Shem Elokim are two separate realities. It's how I live. What Shechoshev that Shem Elokim Master Be'emes Chas V'Shalom Al Shem Avayah. In other words, I really believe that Shem Elokim is a true Hester. It's not just a Hester in order to be Megala. We know that it's a Hester. If it wouldn't be a Hester, it wouldn't serve a purpose. <laughs> if it wouldn't serve a purpose. It, it's a Hester in order to be able to access the Oyer in Geshem. Since I'm an Hashem in Guf, I can't be Mechabal Achius of Elikius. Only through spiritual channels, like in Gan Eden, where there's no food, there's no drinks. You can get spiritual nutrition and it works. It would be a wonderful thing if a person could do that in that world, but it's contrary to the whole kavana of this world. So therefore, the Ur must go through the vushim of what we call Teva, or we call it Elikim. And it looks like, sometimes, that Teva runs it. Here a person needs a doctor, and here a person needs a lawyer, and here a person needs an accountant, and here a person needs a consultant, and here a person has to work hard, and here a person has to employ skills or learn skills in this area or that area, every tchum of work according to the disciplines and wisdom that is available to us. And if I ignore that, what am I ignoring? I'm ignoring the garrison that's needed for this type of work. I can't use a hammer when I need a drill 
and an axe when I need a hammer, and I can't confuse a hammer with a nail, and can't use a wrench when I need a scissor, etc. There's different kalim that are masim in order to be able to achieve, so to speak, this shefa. That's, that's the emes of it. When the person separates Havaya and Elikim, and really believes that there's a true Hester, Be'emes Hashem Havaya. It's not just a Hester in order to access the earth, and a Hester through which you can ultimately reach everything, as explained. The marshal which brings you back to the Nimshul, but it's a real Hester. And everything in the world, and in his world, is basically a result of a Lekim completely on its own. Now what happens? All the intermediaries become the primary issue in life. Why? For good reason. If you're not nice to the axe, you're not getting anything. So now you've got to spend your life flattering and appeasing your axe. That's how it works. Without that, this is Ikechayusa. You want to live? You want to be successful? This is what you've got to do. This is the essence of what the Pasuk says. The Navi laments that there's a philosophy. Hashem let go of the earth. It doesn't mean atheism, there's no God. It just means that God is too big for the earth. The only person is in when it comes to Eretz, when it comes to the real world, when it comes to heaven, yeah, over there, in Shul and Beis Medrash, by the Tish, by the Shir, Yom Kippur, Shoshanah, by Neila, by Musaf, by Avoido, by his, his daughter's Chuppah, then uh, it's amazing. But in the real world, in the real world, this is where the sharks, this is where the alligators hang out, this is where the crocodiles are waiting for a meal. Here you got to know that it's a whole different world. The way the hashpa is down here, you want to be successful in the real world. This, you have to understand the forces that govern it. Those are the forces that govern it. So one person worships mazolus. Mazolus are basically, the, we said, the heavenly constellations. The whole discipline of astrology. Some people, astrology is everything. There are astrological signs. You were born in Gemini. Now I know everything about you. Tell me your wife. I'll tell you all the problems in the marriage. And the... Now what, here again, it's not that there's no mazolus. Of course there are mazolus. And it's not that mazolus don't represent anything. It means that mazolus are kegars and beyada Don't get trapped by any force. Don't get trapped by any keli. The kalim have meaning. The kalim have significance. They tell a certain story. But the person decides it's all the mazolas. So now they have unique significance. Now the person has to also look at the material things that are connected to the mazolas and they become tremendously significant. So he puts in his whole koyach, his whole energy. Whole koyach, his whole potential, all his capabilities in order to increase, increase the revenue. The zeu inyan, this is the concept, and he says clearly the zeu inyan, the zeu inyan. This is the theme. This is the source of the concept of avodah What's avodah 
Sha'oived, the word Avaidazara means alien service. You'll see throughout Shas and Halacha, there's an expression akum. That's the regular expression. Oivet Kaychavim Umazalas, right? Ayin Chavav Mem Oivet Kaychavim Umazalas. What is Oivet? You worship stars and constellations. Constellations are every month, every month you could see in the landscape. In astronomy, you could see groups of stars that represent a certain form. The month of Nisan is Tle, which is the sheep. The month of Iyer is, uh, is Shoir. May, which is Shur, which is uh, the bull, and then you have Sivan, is Toomim, Gemini, and, and Sartan, Cancer, etc., etc. Throughout all, Tlesh, Shur, Toomim, Sartan, Aryeb, Sulam, Iznayim, Akrov, Keshes, Gdi, Dli, Dagam, the 12 Mazalas. And they're, they're based on astronomical facts of what you could see in the backstrap of the sun, that the groups of stars are, are, were grouped together and, and, and man, many, many thousands of years ago, the Rambam gave it names based on the image of those stars. It looked like a sheep, it looked like a scale, it looked like a virgin, it looked like fish, it looked like a scorpion, etc. So when you speak about the Oivet Kechavim Mazolus, it means he worships the stars and he worships the Mazolus. What's the difference? What makes it, what, what makes it, what makes why do we call it worshipping, avoid? So he says, Again, you lose focus that it's, guys, do stars have significance? Of course. What is their significance? It's the divine energy that comes through it, that is represented through it. It tells a story. But what story does it tell? It doesn't tell its own story. What's the difference of a person who uses it or a person who worships Excellent question. What's the difference in a person who uses it and a person who worships it? I'm not so familiar with the Chachmas Amazalas, but I hear a lot from people who are very into it and they build their lives on it. Sometimes it can maybe be useful for a person to maybe understand a certain struggle or a certain weakness or a certain trait or a certain character issue, right? It can be useful, it can be very useful. Fire, earth, air, and water. Fire, air, earth, water. Like, you know, all the personality type studies and so forth. So maybe you know what's, what's difficult for you, what you're good on. So what it helps you do is it helps you put focus on, on, on what you should put focus. For example, if I know something is very, very difficult for me and challenging, I don't have to get frustrated at everything that happens. I know, yeah, this may be a challenge for me. So maybe I can avoid it more or maybe I need a way of looking at it. When a person expects certain things to come easy and they don't, you get angry and frustrated. What if I can accept? For some things, for some people, some things are very easy, and for me, they're very challenging. And conversely, everyone knows. Everyone sitting in this room knows there are certain things that for you are easy, very smooth, but other things that are challenging. And other people, it's the exact opposite. You know, some people. Uh, just to give a simple example, some people. Um, I was just talking to somebody. They love a social life. Yeah, if they would ask, they would ask them, you have a choice one evening, you could stay home on the couch and read a book, a good book, or listen to a shir. You could be with yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and whatever, or you could go uh, to a social scene. Yeah? <laughs> what would you choose? Yeah? Some people, it's not a shayla one way, some people, it's not a shayla the other way. For one person's Ganade, one person's Gehenna. Of course he's going to run to an event and sit home and do nothing. And for the other person, every time he has to go to an event, is a Ibelebenish. He has to go to therapy for a week afterwards. 
do me a favor, I don't want to meet, I don't want to see. So these are not things you could snap your finger and change. It's, you have to be able to identify, and you also have to be able to respect it. So those are things, huh? You use it, yeah. So, for example, Nancy Reagan had a professional astronomer. Yes, yes, I remember, yeah. Reagan. So, is that just a weather report, or is that not... I don't know, I never spoke to Nancy Reagan about her astrological connections. But they used to make fun of it. The, the left, the left, would love to say that Reagan decides the policy of America based on astrology. Like a therapist. Just like they determined when to come right. to Europe based on the weather report in Northern Yosemite. I'll feel, if you're not subject to it, right. but the definition of an Akkam, if Nancy, for example, worshipped it, right. if she would try to predict the events, right. that would be an Akkam, right. correct? Yes, yes. So you understand? It's this will explain a Pelendike Gemara. The Gemara says, famous Gemara, Yisrael Shabachutz Loritz, that's what our sages tell us. Jews living outside of Eretz Yisrael worship Avodah with purity. Now for Chazal to employ such a term that Yisrael begs an explanation. They didn't say They said means with Tara, with Kedusha, with purity. But really, this captures the whole Nakuda that we're learning. Why? At this time, Tafresh Nun Zai in eighteen ninety-seven, there were very, very few Yidden in Eretz Yisrael. Today, Baruch Hashem is not so. Eretz Yisrael, you have close to seven million Jews. I think half of the Jewish people can Yerbu live in Eretz Yisrael. But. Uh, but when the Gemara was written, when this Maimon Chazal was written, it wasn't this way. In this era, it certainly wasn't this way. Rav Yisrael and B'chutzlarts. Most Jews are in Chutzlarts. And you can add what he means, not just a fact, they all decided to migrate from Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> this was the reality imposed on them. They were exiled to Chutzlarts, they lived in Chutzlarts, they didn't always have the freedom and the ability, at least not easily, to be able to, to pick up and go to Eretz So how could the Chazal make such a Psak Din and say most of Klal Yisrael are Oiv Dei Such a statement is shocking, astounding. Who the Pshat is, you have to look at the word what is Avodah physically? Practical. What is Halachic Avodah Zara? What does a person do? First thing is, you bend your head. You bow down. In ancient history, in pagan history, there were many, many gods that you had to worship. There's the God of the sea, and the God of the sun, and the God of the moon, and the God of the weather, and the God of the fish, and the God of the animals, and the God of the lightning, and the God of the thunder. Every force was a God. And the gods were seen as competing with each other. And the gods had power. When the Nile became blood, 
basically it meant that there was another god who got angry at Egypt and decided to punish Egypt's god. That's how they interpreted reality. It's basically a bunch of CEOs running the world. This is really how they saw it. And therefore the Eitzah was, you had to push it, bribe the CEOs. So you had to sacrifice, you had to worship, you had to show favor, because if this god was angry at you, right, and he's having a good day, he went to the gym that morning, that may be the end of you. So therefore there was this whole philosophy, it's hard for us to understand, but all the makas were basically Moshe giving Pari a shear in changing his perspective of reality. Everything had a god, every force is basically another god, the gods are very, very self-centered and want to take care of themselves, just like big tycoons. And you've got to make sure that you have them on your side. And when you see a god who's very powerful and has control in your domain, you better, you better be on his side. And Pari himself considered himself a demigod, or deluded himself into being a demigod, which means some type of god. So the first step is, Kaifif Roshai, which till today, when you prostrate yourself, what does it mean? It means a demonstration of tremendous recognition, especially in Eastern cultures and different cultures. In America, they're not so into it. But a king, a queen, right? you bow down. The bow down represents a certain surrender, submission, respect, validation of the throne, and my uh, at least formal subservience to you, at least in this setting, whether it's serious or not serious. So, and they did this to the sun, they did this to the moon, different types of stars and planets and galaxies, etc. Mipnei, why do you bend down your head? Why do you bow? There was a reason for this. They didn't worship the sun for no reason. They worshipped the sun, they worshipped the Nile, they worshipped the moon because they felt these are the gods responsible. The Nile flooded Egypt every August. It brought them life and civilization. Without it they would be, they would live in a parched. They live in a parched desert. They wouldn't be able to function. They certainly would have no vegetation and produce and no drinking water. So this is the God, the Nile. They, as Rashi says, they worship the Nile. <laughs> this is where you're living from. So we look at it. What, what are you worshiping? It's, it's 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 a river. It's a river. Figure out the mechanics of nature. This is the scientific revolution. But the scientific revolution, people don't realize, began with Avramovin. The first scientist in history was Avramovin. He wasn't only the first monotheist, he was also the first scientist. He was the one who said, Hevre, relax, there's a system here. There's a system of nature and everything is connected. Some the sun has its own god and the moon has its own god and the wind has its own god and snow has a god and rain has a god and, and, and hail has a god and thunderstorms have a god and hurricanes have a god, tsunamis have a god, the earth has its god. Trees have their God. The ability to be able to see a unified system here and a mechanical system that works according to laws and they are responding to it in order to be able to recognize deeper forces that are at play. But they said, this is my mocker of Ashpah, so mele yibau. Kamosh HaKosov, the puzzle is mimeget vuos shemesh, mimeget gerosh yirachim, From the sweetness, from the sun, you get the sweetness of the grain, from the moon, you get the sweetness of various uh, stalks of barley. And there's a reason for it. The sun is a classic mamutza. What would we do without the sun? The sun is responsible for life. How could you live without the sun? No warmth, no light. 
no growth, no sunlight. What would the earth look like without the sun? And the sun is positioned, and the earth is positioned in perfect proximity. If it was closer to the sun, we would look like toast. And if it was further from the sun, we could freeze. So these are mimutsayim. Omnam, the truth is, it's the axe in the hand of the wielder. The Rambam explains this at length in Hilchas of Perik Aleph. The Rambam says, this Nikuda, that the problem was that they knew that there was a source. But they said that these things all have significance. It's like a king hires ministers and advisors and consultants and people who are in charge. You don't always go to the president to get the job done. There's a whole system. And they have choices, and therefore you should be, you should be close to them, because if you're close to them, you could, uh, you could gain what you want. Now let's talk about spiritually. What is it? I'm not bowing my head physically to a statue, but it's something else. When a person considers all material things that are connected to the sun and the moon and the mazolas, because everything is connected up there, and you believe that this is the true source of Parnassa, just like when you bow down physically, you bend down your head, you prostrate yourself, what does it mean? I may not physically bend down my head, but it's the same concept. The person bends, the person surrenders, the person gets submits himself, he subjugates himself to the systems that he thinks are completely responsible for his livelihood. person dedicates his whole mind and heart to his business and physical things and he becomes doyeg. Doyeg means he's filled with anxiety. There's anxiety and turmoil in him. And therefore he's doing tricks in his business because I want to make money. What happens with Shaykh and he forgets? It's insomnia, he forgets His divine consciousness becomes compromised. He loses the focus, he loses his devakus, he loses his oneness with the true source, with the essence of everything. And if he loses which is not a good thing, that's why he says, He won't attribute it to his relationship with Hashem. He won't attribute it to that. What he's going to say, He's going to think, I did this and this, that's why I lost the money. His entire focus will be on the garzen, never on the chaytzev. By him the Iker is the Gashmi and that's what he thinks about with many tricks. Day and night he will not relax. This becomes his obsession. Becomes his obsession. Somebody once said, what's the definition of a fanatic? 
A fanatic is, you can't change his mind, and he refuses to change the subject. So this is, He won't rest. He refuses to change the subject. Comes to davening, this is all he's thinking about. His mind goes right there. It's not in physicality, he's not worshipping everything and bringing a carpet to it and bowing down to it. But it's a mental space of Avodah Zarah. What says the mental space of Avodah Zarah? That the person surrenders his soul, his mind, his heart, his personality, his consciousness to this particular person or to this particular business or to this particular issue. Again, not that they're not Kalim. The sun and the moon, we pray, we say every day. We appreciate the sun. We appreciate the moon. We appreciate the stars. We appreciate the mazalas. And you got to appreciate your boss or your employees or your colleagues or your investors or your partners. Of course you have to appreciate it. As what? As a garzim b'yad ha'chaitzev. Yisrael shebechutzlar. It's what happens on a person. means I lose myself. I lose my head in the process. I prostrate myself to this system, and now I'm completely defined by it. Instead of me defining it, it defines me. So when a person is successful, he worships it. And when a person loses, he also worships it. Instead of understanding the MS, instead of looking and saying, yeah, the garrison, if you have to fix something in the garrison, you should fix something in the garrison. But the Iker is the Chaitziv, the person that focuses on the guys and instead of, so he, he says when he loses Chazom, he doesn't remember Hashem who did this, maybe maybe because of certain actions, so I could fix my actions, he doesn't see that anymore, and because he doesn't see that anymore, he loses this focus, that's why they said betar with purity, I know, what they meant is that in Chutzlaretz, it was very common to get so immersed in various business opportunities with so many tricks to the point that a person thinks it's his own kayach. The Chazal were actually trying to show the good, the, the, the positivity here. What do you want? They live in Chutzlaretz. The Bechutzlaretz, Nimshech HaOyra De Yislapshus Levush HaAsiyah Shul Levush Gasmoed. The Levushim of Teva and Eretz Yisrael are different than Chutzlaretz. Of course, Eretz Yisrael is also Levushim. The man doesn't come down in Eretz Yisrael today. But in Eretz Yisrael, even in Galos, because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, the lifestyle is different. People often who move from Israel here, it's a very hard adjustment. And they sometimes blame it on themselves or on the community, on the culture. It's not. It's a whole different mahalach. Israel and Chutzlar are two worlds. It's a different world. Even the way it translates into business, into money, into insurance, into different things. Now, this doesn't mean that the government, that the, the, this doesn't mean that peoples don't affect the cultures and so forth. <laughs> But it means that after everything said and done, the Levushim and Eretz Yisrael, he says, are not so gasim. In Chutzlar, it's everything comes through Islapshus Levusha, Asiyashu Levush Gasma, in a very thick Levush. 
it's harder to be able to perceive the oil in the levush. So what do you want? In Chutzlars, it's very easy to fall and get stuck in the externalities rather than in the primius. This is Eritrean Chutzlars, not Golas? Of course, Golas adds a whole other dimension to it. But here we're talking about the difference of Eritrean and Chutzlars. There's a certain energy, there's a certain spirituality that is available in Eretz Yisrael, well, let's call it more transparent in Eretz Yisrael. doesn't mean a person doesn't have choices in Eretz Yisrael. doesn't mean everything in Eretz Yisrael is uh, ay, 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 right? Uh, I don't know if it's the nicest joke in the world, but it's certainly a good joke. Nathan Sharansky, the famous refusenik from Russia, who uh, then joined, uh, joined the government, uh, became a minister and the head of the Jewish agency, you know, Nosson Sharansky. So he once said, you know, he was in Siberia for many, many years, he said, what's the difference between me and the other Israeli politicians in the Knesset? He said, I sat in prison before I went to the Knesset. So it doesn't mean, though we're not saying here that every single person living in the Holy Land, whatever his occupation is, 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 is doing holy business. The point is that in Etzisrael, the levush is less thick, it's less dense. Even if it's betara, because of the levushim and asiya, the levush gas means a thick levush of this world. The ur gets much more concretized. It's hard to see the ruchnis. But the truth is, But the truth is, Chazal are giving a limutzchus. They're giving a limutzchus, but don't get deceived by it. Even thick levushim are only levushim. They're not real blockages. They transport the oil. And therefore one should not lose focus and remain conscious and sensitive to the truth of the dveikas and alakus at every single moment. It's all a conduit for divine energy. And that's where, that's where I have to invest my stocks. That's where it is. Celebidekine, celebidek, yeah? Speaking about the time when the base of Mikdash, short today, and all the secular stuff. In words, it's even in halacha, yes, even in halacha, right? Chazal tell us that Gazru al Gushava Avira. Chazal were Gazer that the Gush, the Gush is the soil of Chutzlaritz, and the Avir of Chutzlaritz has a Din Tumah. A Din Tumah. A person lands at Kennedy Airport <laughs> and comes out of the airplane. There's a pashtun in halacha. The rabbanon with geyser tumah on avir. It's called avir eretz ha'amim. It's not stamipsa, a fictional mythical thing. There's pashtun a, a person becomes tamei. There's a din tumah gazru al gusha avira, a tumah the rabbanon that the gush, the soil and the avir has tumah, and therefore. I'm in a place, and I become. Why? Why? Why would they do this? It's not to discourage people. 
It's not to be mavatal people. You're living in America, you're shtiktuma. It's identifying the challenge. It's the best thing you could do to a person. The best thing you could do to a person is say, you're coming to a place, let me identify the challenge. You know why? Because two things. First of all, they know what they have to contend with. Having an enemy is not bad, as long as you don't think he's your friend. You know what I mean? I know this is what I have to contend with. Fine. More importantly, I don't get frustrated with myself that it's difficult. You're in a place with the Levushim HaGasim. It's more difficult. You have to have more focus, more, uh, more. you have to be more conscientious. You can't just go with, you can't just go with the flow. Because the flow is not going to take you to where you want to go. You have to work harder. And like every Chisar, there's also Milas. That's why they said it. Not stum to discourage, to discourage people. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.